Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to The Promise and a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I am Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. International break heavy, lots of lots of stuff going on around Man United though at the moment. Uh, mixed bag of stuff. Actually, no, mostly bad news. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> looking, looking up my notes today, Rob, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. And you're right. It's, it's funny with the international break. We talked about it. It's about how boring it can get. And here we are suddenly about to see some games of international football and things start to go a bit weird in the news. So uh, we'll talk about that today with Manchester United. But yeah, not particularly great news and maybe uh, some more signs of the continuing dysfunction at the football club. Yes, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I apologise for the boxes that are behind me uh, on my screen and this bass guitar here, which Rob told me to brag about, uh, but I don't actually. Did I? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. You hopefully you're watching on YouTube. If you're not, uh, go over to uh, the, the Promise Land, the Manchester United podcast YouTube channel, and please subscribe to that so you can see the boxes that are in the background. But uh, also subscribe on audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays, usually. Uh, I'll say usually. Uh, we're back to normal this week uh, after my recent house move, and that's why this box is in the back of my picture. Um, the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform for the YouTube channel. So uh, get over there, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, etc., etc., and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU. For the show, today we'll be talking all about uh, Man United's recent financial results, which are grim. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, there's losses, massive losses. Uh, there's dividends paid out to shareholders during those losses. There's Premier League record wages uh, to talk about. And there's payoffs to uh, two managers and their staff eye-watering numbers. Uh, we'll talk Frankie de Jong, because obviously we have to. Maybe it's the last time we'll talk about Frankie de Jong, given these comments. Uh, we'll talk a bit of Jude Bellingham, Diogo Dallo, Marcus Rashford, Harry Maguire, and Christian Eriksen scored a lovely goal on uh, Thursday night uh, against... Who did they play again? Croatia, wasn't it? Croatia, yeah. They did lose the game, but Eriksen scored a lovely, lovely goal. So that's what we'll talk about today. Rob, let's start with the financials, shall we? Hmm. So I'll... I'll just throw out some numbers. Net loss reported for the 21-22 season uh, of 115 million, despite record revenues of 583 million. Net debt also rose from 419 million to 514.9 million. That's substantial. That's that's a lot of money. <laughs> 33.6 million in dividends paid to shareholders, the number higher than usual after deferrals uh, during the pandemic, I believe. Wages let by 19% to a record Premier League wage bill of 384.2 million and payoffs to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ralph Ranick and their staff worth 24.7 million. Uh. And throw this in the backdrop of Old Trafford in dire need of upgrades and the playing squad not 
yet. I know they, they spent a lot of money in the summer, but the playing squad is not yet there to what Eric Ten Hag wants. There are a bunch of other investments that Glazers need to make across the training ground and, you know, to improve and get, get United to levels where they should be. All in the backdrop of a net loss of 115 million. So what what's your reaction to these numbers? Like, go wherever you want, because there's a lot to unpack here. Well, my, my reaction's the same as when we've seen these similar numbers in the past. And it's more about all these bits as they add up together, isn't it? And you kind of break them down and go, well, I don't like that bit. I don't like that bit. There's very rarely anything you look at with United's figures and go, oh, that sounds like good stuff, doesn't it? You know, United's uh, tractor partner has given Manchester United two million quid this year. Isn't that a fun thing? Well, no. Uh, I think when you look at the the breakdown of this set of figures, there's two big things that jump out at me. First of all, there's the, the dividend. Now, the dividend itself goes to the Glazers. So when we talk about shareholders, we are literally talking about the Glazer family. So mm -hmm. what was the actual figure in the end? Was it 41 million or something like that uh, overall? 33.6 is the one that I've got. And I think so there's... Th how many Glazers are there? Six? <laughs> well, no, no. There's there's 18 Glazers. Eight? Oh, okay. So, so, the, so the, the Manchester United board is made up of around 22 people. And 18 of them are Glazer family members. You know, it's 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 Joel, Joel's cousin, Joel's cousin's cousin, Joel's, and that's basically how the Glazer family works. Right. That's what they do. So Manchester United's board list. If you go, anyone can do this. Go click on Man United's website. Go click on the board thing. It gives you a big list, and it's someone Glazer, someone Glazer, someone Glazer. That's how they operate. So that goes to them. That's how it works. So the dividend looks after the Glazer family personal wealth. So that dividend's gone to them now after the deference after COVID. It's a big slice of money, but it's more about when you add it up every time, Scott. So 30 million every time just leaving the football club to go and buy Ferraris and shopping malls in Florida. That's what it is. That's what happens where the money goes. That's not a good look, is it, for Manchester United? So that's a problem. I was but, trying to think yesterday with that number of which player value that would equate to. Well, well uh, you th I, I thought taken... the, the one that jumped out to me was Rio Ferdinand's transfer in uh, 2002, 2003. Yeah. I know the, the money's different nowadays, but that's like, <laughs> that, that's the kind of, well, Liverpool signed Sadio Mane, for example, a few years ago for around 30, yeah. 35 million. Yeah. So that's the type of player that United are missing out on. With this but it gets worse. Point. It gets worse when you add the dividends up from the start to now. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. you're talking way, way, way over half a billion quid just leaving the football club to go into someone's bank account. That's all that is because they own United. So that's part of the problem here with the Glazer ownership. And it always will be. And it's why United fans do not like it. It's never about an individual transfer. It's always about that total money, half a billion quid that could have gone on transfers. It could have done or gone on rebuilding half your stadium or something like that. It's too much money. But there was the other bit there, which, again, we talk about quite a bit on our show because we kind of dig deep on these things. We talk more seriously about these things. Wages up 19 percent. It's it's not something in the modern day that you can continue to facilitate. 19% jumps in your wage bill close football clubs. It's the truth. So Man United have got these record revenues and all of this. They are a robust business. They're okay when it comes to a lot of these things when you add when when you add it all together. But it's just a bad way of doing business, isn't it, Scott? It's just a bad way of, you know, how do I do make this better? I just chuck loads of money at it. I don't think about the structure. Man United would tell you that they are addressing the structure, which is why they're doing that. But I think at the same time, this shows the years and years of mismanagement. 
that that have been in place, you know, really since Fergie left and to today. And it's such a huge challenge now for Ten Hag because he's got these these signings in this first lot. But like you said, new stadium needs to be built. Carrington needs to be redone completely. It's it's out of date now. There's lots of things Manchester United are going to have to pay for that they might not have the money for. That begs the question, though. I know that the Glazers have been looking for outside investment. Mm. How do they... Sub- I mean, they can't surely like they can't, surely can't put more debt against the club to do this. What what United have been out of the cha- United have been out of the Champions League or in and out of the Champions League for a few years, so that means that that money isn't coming in. Hmm. They've spent a lot of money this summer of the club's money, I should say. Um, but they can't afford to like continue dropping down and not get, not making the Champions League. How, how sustainable is how? good a model is this for the Glazers to follow if they're making losses like this? Is this time to... Every United fan wants this, but is this a reason to look at potentially selling? No, because they're getting £50 million in dividends for nothing all the time. So I... I, 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 Bill... Fans, fans say to fans say this to me all the time. They go, oh, but if Man United is worth three to £5 billion, surely £5 billion today is better than getting 30 million, you know, every payday for the dividends. No, it isn't. That's not how business works. Business works about cash flow. So if you're getting 30 million for doing nothing, just for owning Manchester United, you don't take the 5 billion because then you go and reinvest those things. That money doesn't really come to you. It'll be reinvested. It will be cut up. There, As I said, there's like 18 Glazers. You know, they all get a little bit of the slice of the pie or whatever. And the Glazers work as an organization, as a family. That's how they buy their businesses. So it's, it's done under, obviously, Joel and his brothers. But overall, I think when you look at, um, you look at the structure of Manchester United, I don't think the Glazers have any interest in selling what they will do is they'll levy the club against more investment. So that's what you just said there at the start. So they will go to hedge funds who like taking these kind of faux risks. They're not big risks to them. They'll take the money, they'll invest, and they'll get their slice of the pie back as well. And who will suffer? Manchester United and the fans. That's what will suffer overall. So the Glazers, what you know, you don't kick a gift horse in the mouth, do you? This 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 is a free bank account that rolls over for your family all the time. You've taken half a billion out of Manchester United just by putting them into debt. Stinks, doesn't it? But it's this is how business works. So um, to them, this is not a sporting thing, is it, to the, to the Glazers? This is all about, you know, pounds and pennies. And they will continue to go down this route because Manchester United still, in years to come, could command incredible money when it comes to TV revenues. Like At the moment, it's big, but I think in 10 or 15 years' time, you will have an an NBA system where teams can sell their own games to the marketplace. And once you do that, your billion pound of revenues over an X amount of time goes to 10 billion. Just like that. And that's what they're waiting for. That's why they wanted a European Super League, because that would have started that process. Um, I don't know if we'll get a European Super League, but I think we will get definitely get some kind of change in the Champions League that might enforce something like that, where clubs have more autonomy for for their TV money. And if they get that, Scott, you hold on to Manchester United today. You want to hold on to that. You want that bit of the pie in five or ten years' time. But let, let's say over the next 10, 15 years, if United maintain this malaise and come 13th. Yeah. And 14th. Yeah. And 12th. Yeah. How does that 
balance against surely they kind of need United to maintain a relative level of success mm. in order to continue taking that money out. They do, but you know, Manchester United can come 15th and still have more fans than Manchester City. It's the truth. So this Every is it globally. Year? Yep. For the next generation? Yeah, because because again, you can take this example from other sports. It happens across the world all the time. I always use United as the New York Yankees uh, kind of example. As that, like, the Yankees could go, you know, like the Boston Red Sox went 50 years without winning a title, yeah, and was still, you know, the second most popular uh, baseball team in the universe. So this is how it how it goes. It's always about the brand and the fandom behind the brand. That's how you make money, isn't it? Like Leicester City could go and win the title again tomorrow and Leicester would not be making the same amount of money that Manchester United do in 15th. It just wouldn't. It's just that's not the way it works. It's not how brands work. So United do need to win more stuff. There's no doubt about that. You build your team. This is why they're doing this. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother getting an Eric Ten Hag. You wouldn't spend... 55 million on someone like Martinez, who's like five foot three or something like that. You wouldn't do all those things to try and get you to win again. But overall, the Glazers are interested in money. That's why they are here. That's why they want Manchester United. And Manchester United will continue to make lots of money, even if Manchester United are not winning football matches. That's the sad fact. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, should we move on from? We that's had fun, wasn't it? On. it yeah, <laughs> that's a fun let's, segment. It's just yeah, very fun segment. Uh, I blame well, international. Before we do, do you, do you want to just move on a little bit to do you want to address the Ollie and Ranick payout? Yeah, again, the, the, what was the total in the end? We, <laughs> 24.7 we, million. 24.7 million reported on sacking two managers because obviously Ranick did come to the football club as a, as a guy who was going to stay for a while, wasn't he? You know, he was going to help the next manager, he was going to be part of the system as a consultant. And every week we would debate, what does consultant mean? And I thought consultant probably means get sacked in six months' time. That's what happened, unfortunately. So that kind of money, just to pay people off, just makes me think, wouldn't it be all good if we could all work for Manchester United because we'd all get sacked eventually and we'd all be multi-millionaires. So, again, just bad practice. You could blame Ed Woodward for that one, maybe. I think you can kind of, uh, that's what uh, I think the new CEO will be doing. You'll be saying, it's not my fault, all of this. Um, you know, my guy's uh, Eric. And we're going forward like that. But again, incredible waste of money. You think about it, 22 million just on payouts. Like, get your house in order. You know what I mean? Do it properly and make sure that you're protecting your business. This is the thing with the Glazers, you see. They're a lot more shotgun than I think people think. They think they're quite organized behind the scenes with the debt and all. They've paid out some incredible money from the club coffers through mistakes and lots of them over and over again. Um, yeah, if you sack a manager, you have to pay him off. 22 million on two managers in one year. That's not good business. Let's, let's remember as well, they've, they have previous with this. David Moyes had yeah. a six-year deal. <laughs> Ten months into a six-year deal, he was gone. Good. Jose Mourinho, given a new contract, then sacked. Louis van Gaal, two years into a three-year deal, I think it was, sacked. And This is it. It's repetitive, isn't it? It goes round and round. Repetitive round. idiocy. Yeah, when 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 Moisey got his thing, I call him Moisey because obviously he didn't like it in the press the other day. Goodness, so that was weird. Moisey, and he was like, "Hey, don't call me Moisey." He's probably getting upset. But um, I think with uh, with Moisey, it was more of a case of uh, when he when he got the job, it was okay. I was like, "Okay, he's got the job. I'll support what Fergie wants." And this is, you know, it makes sense. Six years, what? It was, it was madness. Even from day one, you were like, you can't give him six years. You can give him like three years, you know, or maybe like three plus one or three plus two or something like that. Six years and they had to pay every penny off. 
good luck to David Moyes. I'm glad he got that money. He deserved it. He can negotiate a six-year contract and uh, and then walk away from it after 11 months. That was what it was, 11 months. And then he went and took that 5.2 years worth of money with him extra. If you can get it, good luck to you. Yes. Let's move on to uh, some transfer talk because uh, we've got a few players to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, Frankie de Jong dominated this podcast and every Man United <laughs> podcast slash channel slash news feed for about five months <laughs> over the summer. God, um, every day. And I did say uh, on a recent episode, international breaks are that time where players speak a little bit more freely. Yeah. Obviously, we heard from Frankie de Jong over the international break. I have to say that for me, it was always clear what I wanted and that was staying at Barcelona. That's why I was also able to stay calm during that period, is what he said. Uh, it was, I've, I've missed the key quote there, but he's basically said, I always want to stay at Barcelona. Um, even though Man United had agreed a fee for him and it just never came off. He mm-hmm. is uh, still not an automatic starter at Barcelona, but suggestions over the last few days are that Sergio Busquets will leave the club at the end of the season. Uh, and it has been suggested that De Jong will be his natural replacement uh, at the base of that midfield. Some Barcelona fans think he kind of roams around a little bit too much and isn't the right fit. But what does this mean? Because he's always maintained that Barcelona was his first choice, but we reported over the over the course that deferral of wages and that money is what kind of stood in the way. And while he always wanted to stay at Barcelona, he would have departed if he you know, if, if something was agreed. But, you know, he's doubled down on wanting to stay at Barcelona, and that's always been the case, and that's always what's been reported. But now, is this the end of the saga, do you think? I really hope so. Like, I really do. Because it's not whether you can get the player or not. I always believe in football, especially when you're talking about these huge numbers at the end of the day. You can always go and pay your way into a deal. You can always get someone by paying a ridiculous price. Look, Casemiro, we've talked about this constantly, haven't we? How do you go and get it? What you do, you overpay. That's what you do. So overpaying for Frankie Dion would have been even more expensive than that kind of 80 million that was originally agreed. But I think when you look at Frankie Dion and his reasoning, we always knew, and we reported this extensively, that he and his lifestyle and his partner... Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wanted They wanted to stay in Barcelona. That was their dream. They were happy there. That was the problem of coming to Manchester and the lovely grey skies above Old Trafford were not something that appealed. Now, that is really important to people. I know people will think professionally, oh, no, you can get round that. You can get round that, of course, with cash and money and, and ambition and whatnot. But that was always a stickling point. Barcelona was the club that he supported. He wanted to stay at Barcelona. And if he could stay at Barcelona, he was going to. I do think it doesn't look good on him that he's been so badly mistreated by that football club. And he's just taken it on the chin and gone, yeah, because I want to stay here. Do you, mate? You want to stay there? All right. And as I said, at the end of the transfer window, Frankie de Jong wants to stay at Barcelona after all of this. Then again, mate, you know, you wash your hands of it. Well done. Good luck. Have a lovely life in Catalonia and enjoy La Liga. 
I think with Frankie Young, Man United have to move past it. I really hope we don't revisit this in future transfer windows. I get the feeling we will because Frankie de Jong is not going to be a regular starter this year for Barcelona. I don't believe that. I think he can be Busquets' future replacement, so next season. But what's he going to do? Sit on the bench for a year and wait for Busquets mm. to go? Wait for Busquets to go? I'm signing an extra year deal now. I've decided to stay because I'm a legend. So I'm going to stay here for another year. That's on him, isn't it? So I, I think we, this, that ship has sailed. And I'm quite happy with Christian Eriksen playing the six at the moment because Christian Eriksen looks really good in the centre of that midfield. Frankie de Jong might be the progressive choice, but I think overall you have to just get over it. You know, we missed out on Ronaldinho once, didn't we? Years and years ago, we thought that that was a breaker. And Man United went and signed a kid called Ronaldo the next day. So you can go and find other talent. You don't have to be kind of tied to one person. And I think with Frankie de Jong, that ship should now have sailed. Well, it sailed towards Jude Bellingham then. That's a... Like we've... Uh... Obviously, Jude Bellingham is going to be one of the biggest names on the market yeah. for the next year, possibly two years, because he's at Borussia Dortmund. Man United tried to sign him and failed. Mm -hmm. I believe he was shown around United's facilities. He must have been absolutely wowed. To... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, these are these facilities that you could be you could be using that need real real upgrades on them, but you know. Come and join us, mate. Oh, no, I'm going to go to Dortmund because uh, that's probably the best place for me at the moment. And it's going well for him. Uh, he's scoring goals in the Champions League. He's not winning trophies or, like, really, because Bayern are dominating that league. But, um, you know, it's a good stepping stone club as proven by the likes of Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland. Bellingham is under contract for another couple of years. He's not anywhere near his uh, the end of his deal with Dortmund, but he, there are clubs around Europe that are mounting and queuing up to take him away from Dortmund. And it looks like he's going to be probably the most expensive of the lot as well. Talk of 150 million euros or 150 million pounds. I forget which one it is. Significant money. Uh, United are one of the clubs in the queue. Liverpool have been talked up as the favourites for him for a, a little while. I think it's Maybe a little bit premature. Liverpool might not even be in the Champions League next season. Let's just let's just put that out there. Controversy, uh, Scott. How dare yeah, you? Shock, jock. <laughs> might not be. Real Madrid. Might not be. Real Madrid in the mix as well. You'd think Chelsea would be there, but maybe I think they probably end up going for Declan Rice. Uh, Manchester City are the mm -hmm. club that you know makes most sense to join. Real Madrid, PSG, Barcelona. Could he go to Barcelona? We'll see. Barcelona have managed to pull off some ridiculous stuff this year. Why couldn't they do this? Where do you stand on Jude Bellingham? Is he the next proper midfield target? Or would you prefer, Rob, to go for like a 30 million player under the radar that can develop and become or elevate to that level? Or would you prefer to pay 150 million for Jude Bellingham? It's a quandary because I think that there is value in the market, but Jude Bellingham is not going to be value. He's not. So you're going to have to pay the premium. So I would never say, oh, like, I would prefer a £30 million midfielder and then you miss out on the £100 million guy. That's a kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like cutting your nose off to spite your face, isn't it? It's not real. It's a, If you can get players at £30 million, like we just mentioned Christian Eriksen, we'll mention him again a little bit later on. You got him for free. He's probably on 150 grand a week, something like that. It's affordable. You can make, you can find players that help you, can't you? I think with Jude Bellingham, Man United missed a trick when he was at Birmingham because they could have got him. 
they could have got him, but they didn't move quick enough. So he was showed around Carrington twice. So United were had their kind of had the the kind of fork in the in the turkey, and they were like, "Yeah, we can get this. This is ours. We can make this work." And it all fell apart, and he went to Dortmund. Now that's on Man United. That shows you their recruitment department didn't do enough because I think that that time at that step up, you got to remember Jude Bellingham. You know, he's playing for Birmingham, but he wasn't a big name. He was not in England squad. And United could have got him for a very affordable price. I think it was 19 million at the time they were quoted. And they went, 19 million is a lot of money. Well, it's not a lot of money. You're going to pay 150 million from now in a couple of years, is it? Or a year's time. So I think, again, this comes down to more, Scott, about sound recruitment, about getting your targets early and getting them in when they're young and developing them from within at that price bracket. Do I want Jude Bellingham at 100 million? Yeah, I do. Because I think if you if you want a midfielder who's going to be in your team for 10 years or is going to give you that that kind of longevity, then unfortunately, you're probably going to have to pay the going rate for a player of that quality. But like you said, it, it, everyone's going to want him. Real Madrid, Liverpool. I think the thing was with Liverpool, Liverpool tend, even though they have spent more money over the years on individuals, think about Darwin Nunes in recent times, they don't really go into that stratospheric yeah. the kind of area that, say, City do or will do, obviously, Jack Grealish, hundred million pounds to sit on your bench, or Manchester United, sixty million pound for someone like Casemiro's now the wrong side of thirty. That there's there's more balance at Liverpool about how they go and get their targets. I could see them saying that they don't want to do that with Bellingham, but I can certainly see Man United going, dude, Bellingham. We need a midfielder. We didn't get Frankie De Jong. Right, who's next on the list of prodigious midfielders in European football? And he's been brilliant at Dortmund. Like, you know, we all thought he would be, and he has been. And Dortmund are a big club. People say they're not. It's only because Bayern are so massive in the Bundesliga. But Dortmund are still pretty much the second biggest club in a, in a huge football country like Germany. You know, they are, you know, they, they are the equivalent of like Liverpool and City at the moment in those two leagues. But of course, the difference is that it's more competitive in a Premier League with those two, whereas Dortmund seem to trail behind. But they've developed Haaland, they've developed Bellingham. They're a very, very good football club. Brian Robson said this week, we thought he was coming. We thought we had him. Uh, yeah. You know, that's in reference to Jude Bellingham when United were courting him. That's why um, he came the second time, you see, because the second time was just to kind of dot the I's across the T's. You know, the deal was done 19 million. It was United who went, 19 million. What could we, we could use that 19 million to pay off our next manager when we sack him. So this is the problem. It's about, you know, our dividends were 30 million. Well, why do we want to give 19 million for a lad at Birmingham? So it's about recruitment. Yeah, of, of course, the, the big issue as well for him was ousting the likes of Scott McTominay and Fred for a regular starting place in midfield was, you know, it's a difficult prospect. for You paid 50 million for Fred, 50 million. And you're like, well, do we need this guy for 19? You know, he's not even going to play because we've got this 50 million pound Brazilian. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think this is the whole, the, the ridiculous side of it is that you're forced into this situation to buy at a higher rate because you didn't get the deal done early. And as you said, Robbo said there that, that they, they thought they had the player and, I, I think he went to Dortmund simply because United were not willing to pay the money or give him any guarantees of any kind of football. I think they said, come to our academy and we'll we'll assimilate you. And he's like, I'll go to Dortmund and I'll actually play Champions League football. So I'm off. Goodbye. And I think his yeah. parents helped him make that decision. Yeah. Um, it was unfortunate. Uh, I did speak to him, actually, just after he, uh, he moved to Dortmund. Uh, right. In a 
couldn't put it out in the end. But um, yeah, it was interesting. He's a very mature lad. Uh, mm. And that was a couple of years ago I spoke to him. Uh, very mature, um, really good head on his shoulders, good family unit around him. Yeah. Uh, and he will make the right decision. Uh, yeah. I mean, just to, just to reference other clubs a second, uh, it seems a bit like Liverpool, Liverpool fans seem to be talking themselves into, yeah, Jude Bellingham's coming to us. It, that kind of reeks to me as with the price tag on him as Liverpool see this guy as like the savior of their midfield. And that's a Man United problem. That That's very out of character for a club as well run as Liverpool. Um, or is and it? It doesn't always work. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't always work. You know? Do you know what it is though, Scott? It's football fans. That's the, that's the problem. So I think now, like like Liverpool fans for the last six, seven years, have been used to being back in the mix, winning everything and being of that ilk. And I think football fans do believe that when you are there, then you should be the guy who's going for 100 million pound footballers. You're the top, you're the you're the elite, you're the best of the best. Now, we can say that's not how FSG have built that business at Liverpool. FSG are also the owners of the Boston Red Sox and they did the same at the Red Sox. So they had to build it from from ground level from the, uh, ground zero again, build it up to where they wanted it to be. Now, these owners at Liverpool will probably not want to play that game. It's football fans that do. So I think the kind of real, the realistic side of it is, is that that it's more Liverpool fans going, well, he's got to come to us because we're we're the best team in the world. Well, you you're you're a good team, yes, but you're not actually as dysfunctional as Manchester United. You don't have the money that that maybe like the Middle East consortiums have. You're a different kind of football club. Stick with it. Be all right with it, you know. Be, you know, keep on that track because that's probably the proper way to run a football club, isn't it? And and it, if it means that you miss out on Jude Bellingham because of that, then so be it. I would like Jude Bellingham at Man United because Manchester United need players to get back to where they have to be. But Liverpool already there. Go and develop your talent. Um, I'm not saying have Harvey Elliott in there instead and say, yeah, he's your guy. No, I'm not saying that. But you can go and find other players that that help your football club. And that's what I was saying at the start, wasn't it? About the £30 million player. You can go and find players in that bracket. Liverpool will spend 60, 70, 80 million now if they need to get certain talents. Yes, indeed. Uh, just on Bellingham, to, just to finish up, I mean, if Real Madrid are in for him, you look at that midfield unit that they've got, Chuamani, Camavinga, Valverde, or like mm. Chuamani and Camavinga and Bellingham in mid midfield for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. What a prospect that is. Um, um, amazing on FIFA, but what I will say is this, is that Manchester United's English links, I'm talking mostly about Rashford and Sancho, give United a unique insight into getting Jude Bellingham. Yeah, so this is uh, people don't always put that kind of nationality spin on it, but it does matter in this case. You know, when people are friends and they know each other and they, they go to international duty together, I know Rashford's not there at the moment, neither Sancho, but, you know, in terms of the connections between these guys... That does matter. And I think that he kind of knows, he knows those guys much better than he knows Chiumani and the guys at Real Madrid. Yes, indeed. Uh, just to move on briefly, uh, we reported on 90min.com a couple of days ago or earlier this week that picking up from our last conversation, Rob, uh, about new contracts and what to do with them, uh, Diogo Dallo and Marcus Rashford seem to be the ones who are in line for new deals. There are uh, nine players out of contract in 2023 for United uh, contract extension options on most of those players, Dallow and Rashford among them. Uh, but both of those players have played 
well enough. I, I know I'm only taking a four-game sample size <laughs> from the Premier League season so far. But Rob, uh, do you feel like these two are the most deserving of new deals if they are to come at the moment in the next few months? They're the most obvious, aren't they? As I said, I think they're, they're two players that only eight, nine games ago, people were saying, you know, including myself, whether these players should be at the football club. You know, do you move them on? Uh, I think it's more when you look at Marcus and you look at, at Delo. Delo hasn't got a lot of competition at right back and Marcus is definitely favoured by Ten Hag. So do you tie these guys into big deals? Well, I think that's this is where Man United need to get smart. These deals need to be, I think, a little bit more reflective rather than being so huge. Because I think that's what cripples you is that these players get big deals and then you're stuck with them. There needs to be some kind of either break in there or the value lowered or the or some something built on like lower wages with more add-ons in there. Because I think that is something that you see in Europe quite a bit. So I think that's where Man United need to get need to be a bit more clever. But yeah, these two players I think do deserve deals. And I said on our last show, I think it was uh, I do think that Marcus will be the one announced maybe in the next month or two or three because I still think that he's the golden boy of Manchester. He's the guy that that United like to keep themselves connected to. And let's be honest, he's up. I think he's up for Player of the Month, isn't he? For for the Premier League, um, indeed. Deserving. <laughs> and does, and both deservedly so. So uh, a good like you know we just talk, started the front of the show about uh, the dysfunction behind the scenes with with money in one thing or another. The project itself today looks all right. It's going okay, and you have to hope that the that the growth that we're seeing in this short uh, space of time continues. Rob, let's move on. Uh, last section. I've actually been. Uh, I've got a scoot in a little bit unfortunately. But we'll do a little bit on Harry Maguire. So Harry Maguire has lost his place in the Man United team, but is in line. We're speaking about this before the England game. He's in line to start against Italy. And Gareth Southgate, England manager, has, uh, ahead of that game, said, whatever reputation I have, I'm putting it on there. Um, as you, you always have to back your judgment, and we feel he's an important player. We thought they were experienced players ready to step in and play at a level above him. There would be a different consideration. And in some positions, there would be a different level of competition. He's our most dominant aerial centre-back. And he keeps going on, justifying picking Harry Maguire. So, Rob, it's good to see Harry Maguire getting backed, even though he's not in good form at the moment. But there's been a lot of noise around Harry Maguire with his Man United place this week. Uh, A lot of doubt about how he's about how he fits into this team and his future. What do you make of Southgate backing him and all of the noise around United at the moment? Uh, I think it's quite interesting that he used the term dominant aerial centre-back. That was quite, I think, quite quite funny in a way. But I, I think it also does show that how much high esteem that he's held with Gareth Southgate. And, you know, again, we have said this, that that, that Southgate will do Southgate things. He'll, he'll want to do it in a certain way. And he wants to do it with players that he trusts. So I think for for Harry Maguire, England might be a, a useful outlet for him now, going certainly now between here and the World Cup. Um, is he going to play a lot of games for Manchester United? No, I don't think he will. But then there's always the chance, isn't it, with international football, that someone comes back injured. I'm thinking Rafael Varane, someone like that. And then suddenly Maguire's in the team again. So I think this is always this is definitely a kind of wait and see with Maguire because Overall, yeah, I don't think he's the right guy for Man United. And I do think that eventually he will leave the football club. But his opportunities are still there. Like, you've only got to get one injury and suddenly Maguire is playing. Um, But I think Manchester United fans, I think more as a a consensus, 
would like to see him probably leave the club and United to move forward with the two centre-backs that are currently starting. Yes, indeed. We'll see how this plays out. I'm sure you'll have a blinder for England over the next few days. We'll see how that goes uh, and we'll talk again. I think we talk again, Rob, after the next England game. So maybe we'll have two sample matches that we've seen Harry Maguire in against Italy and Germany. And maybe, and Luke talk about, maybe, Luke, maybe Luke Shaw. Maybe Luke Shaw as well. Uh, we'll have a look at that. We did say we were going to talk about Christian Eriksen. Just a quick mention for him. A lovely goal for Denmark on uh, Thursday night. Uh, I know that we would like to talk about how uh, good a pickup he's been, but Rob, I, I have to leave unfortunately today. So we'll we'll um, we'll pick that up on another show. It's an international break after all. There's plenty of time, and there's another match that we can watch Christian Eriksen in. Absolutely. We'll pick it up next week. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., and watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So please head over to the channel, subscribe, hit the like button on this video and every video that we've ever done. Uh, join the community and leave a comment as well and get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much for uh, joining us again today. This has been The Promised Land. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon.